0: Can you do it with the most npr voice possible?
1: Welcome to So Many Damn Books: A Blessing, A Curse, A Podcast. How was that? Yeah, that was great. Do you want to try one? Not particularly. So many,
0: so many, so many
1: damn books. I'm Christopher. I'm Drew. And uh, we, I don't know, I never know where to start, where to begin.
0: Uh, let talk talk to me about uh, our our sip and concoction here today.
1: Uh, I I got lazy and actually even made you go get the ingredients. For <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's 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 basically a very simple lemonade with a. Where I mash some blackberries at the bottom, lemonade on top, and some tequila. Lovely. Yeah. Summer. Yeah, it's it's summertime. Summertime books are the kinda like. Yeah. are the kinda
0: like. i steal your honey like I stole your bite. Well on that note, uh, <laughs> uh, that's it for us.
1: <laughs> Let's go to what you buy. Yeah. Uh, what, what did you buy? Well I'll tell you I uh, I downloaded the um, the morning's on horseback audiobook uh, re- the David McCulloch book about uh, early Roosevelt life Oh cool so it's kind of like stuff leading up to his presidency and and his and his parents and it's uh, narrated by Edward Herman again nice one uh, of your favorites yeah he did Roger Eberts and now I get to read some. Roosevelt Life told to me by him. Um, which is really nice. It makes for great walking in the morning when the sun rises up. Walk, Ooh. Reading. You nice. know, you you get a nice feeling of like it's the beginning of his life. He's got so much that he's gonna accomplish, and you're just walking on to work like me too, Roosevelt. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh what about you?
0: Uh I picked up a copy of Ryan North's New, brilliant, Shakespeare, choose your own adventure, Romeo and or Juliet. Oh, yeah. uh, Which has something like four quintillion possible story paths. Sure. There's an unlockable character. (laughs) Like I have no idea how, but I'm into it.
1: Okay. Have you done it a couple of times? Have you gone through it?
0: I've only gone through once so far. I'm trying to... Who did you end up with? Oh, I went with Romeo. I went down Romeo. Okay. And then I feel like, because you can switch back and forth. You can do all sorts of... It's beautiful. I can't wait. But anyway, other than that, uh we have a we have a joint uh would you buy slash receive as well. Um Leslie Bloom's Everybody Behaves Badly. Oh
1: yeah. This is that new um Hemingway you know about how he wrote Sun also Rises. Is yeah, that
0: right? Um she's the first female biographer, I think, of Hemingway, which is pretty cool. That is cool. Um and uh Finally,
1: he's getting his due. Yeah. <laughs>
0: there we go. That's better. All right. Um, so uh, this episode is our long-awaited uh, dive into Star Girl literature and Star Girl. Well, specifically.
1: yeah. Well, we we said we were going to do a Star Girl episode, and then we're like, actually, just kidding.
0: Yeah. Well, it's you for listeners who are not uh, longtime listeners. I don't know why you should go back and listen, but just yeah. in case, the backstory behind this is that Christopher um, is a huge fan of Star Girl, specifically
1: by Jerry Spinelli, uh,
0: had long been encouraging me to read it,
1: and since Drew. Won the uh, tournament of books bet he got the sellout by paul batty as a winner um i bought him a copy of that book because he asked for me for a book that i you know would force into his hands if i could
0: uh so we read that
1: and uh let's talk about stargirl first a little bit yeah um it's a it's a simpler story about a um an arizona right high school mm-hmm. and uh it's about this sophomore that comes into to school that captures this one guy's imagination and then the whole school's. And she's sort of a. She goes by the name Star Girl. Star Girl. Yeah. Which is amazing. <laughs> um, and they're, you know, just like it's it's the old stranger who comes to town,
0: mm-hmm. teaches folks a lesson. Uh huh. And then. And then leaves. just
1: as mysteriously as they arrived. Yeah. Um, but it's it's also just a very sweet... It's something more than that, though. I, I, I think that so, there's something about Stargirl that I think makes it like a key text.
0: Yeah, I, could, I can get behind that.
1: Um, and I think the first time that you read it, especially if you're reading it at the right time, like if you if you have an 11-year-old in your life, make sure they get a copy of Stargirl. Um, because it's... it's a nice distillation of fitting in and what you do to fit in and how like trying to fit in is okay in some ways. Yeah. Um, But also in the ways that it's like, make sure you understand why you're doing it. Right. There's
0: a, it's, um, there's a lot about identity, both in the sense of your own and then the identity that you present and like being okay with somebody else being themselves, even if that runs contrary to how you think they should be.
1: So, and I think that, you know, you look at Stargirl and it's the, uh, if you're wondering like what makes a YA novel specifically YA, Mm -hmm. I think it's partially a teenage character as your main character. Yeah. But also I think most um, YA, or at least the ones that have captured the public's imagination are the ones that have to do with identity. Um, and so the deep dive into identity is is really what, what makes Stargirl stand out as as to me like the paragon of the genre of like the beginning of what what modern y a is.
0: That's interesting because I to me, and we can talk about this a little bit more once we talk about bone gap specifically and what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but it feels to me like a classic y a in a way that modern y a. I don't think modern YA could have happened without books like Star Girl, but it also feels like modern YA has evolved and changed into something. And looking back at a book like Star which I didn't read much, Jerry Spinelli, I didn't read much YA mm-hmm. uh, in school. I like came up on Boxcar Children and rolled Doll and everything, but then
1: and then made kind jumped of pretty, pretty swiftly. Yeah, um, you know, I think it, there's a lot to be said. I mean, this is this is came came out in you know 2001 which I believe, you know, that's before a lot of the, the mm-hmm. current crop of Absolutely. of any of the YA authors. Um, it's an example of all of the new forms that it's going to take. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about Stargirl herself. Mm-hmm. She's, um, you know, in, in the hands of a less deft author... Uh, I believe that she would just come off as your standard manic pixie dream girl, yes, um she's you know she has more than a lot in common with uh, Natalie Portman and Garden State in mm-hmm. some ways uh, of just like be like pulling leo the the main uh, character out of his shell a little bit, but it it's also pulls everyone out of their shell in in that stargirl makes everyone realize that they are. Um, giving up some part of their personality to fit in. Yeah. And um, she says, she just says that she's not willing to give that up. And so I think that that makes it, that pulls it away from just quirkiness for quirkiness's sake, which I believe is what happens in, in the future incarnations of a star girl. Yeah. Um, And then I just think it's so funny that she's predicted a lot of what's happened in, you know, the hipsterish culture. Oh, totally. Uh, It's funny
0: to think about this book as having been written in 2001 and the way that the world has changed in the ensuing 15 years. Because you're like, oh, wow. Lots of kids read Stargirl, huh?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, the the ukulele, um, the sort of interest in very vintage fashions Mm -hmm. um, and sort of homemaker-esque... You know, uh, touches. Yeah, uh, sewing your own clothes, that sort of thing, and then uh, also I think it's really funny that Jerry Spinelli somehow, with his crystal ball, predicted the rise of food truck culture <laughs> because it's Star Girl's one dear wish, in sort of the same way that Holden Caulfield wants to wants to grab people from uh, falling off the um, out of the rye. Yeah, her thing is she wants to feed hungry people in her in her food truck in her food truck her fleet of silver food trucks <laughs> but yeah i've been reading this book over and over for a long time so i have no uh, critical <laughs> <laughs> faculty on it um and it just it but i'm curious you know you reading it now what was that experience
2: it
0: um it's that thing where I struggle to look at books, it, it, uh, this, Fault in Our Stars, any book that is set in high school that's using high school characters and sort of getting at what life was like in high school. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's The best versions of those books make high school feel like high school. Like reading this, I was warped back to 10 years ago, yes, my was. senior year of high school, and being like,
1: oh, yeah. It was very much how I saw... like very reminiscent of my high school experience
0: the lesson Mm -hmm. of the book and sort of the message it's that thing where once you hit a certain age and you look back at yourself and you think about behaving in the same way that leo did or in the same way that many of his friends because i don't i don't know anybody
1: who was truly a star girl oh so you have no star girl um, presence in your past
0: No, no i mean there was there were certainly people who were quirky and weird, but like I was probably one of the weirdest and quirkiest people in my high school.
1: Sure. Well, yeah. And I think that when you, I think you're right that it, because that lesson is something you might've probably learned earlier than the book. Um, it does take on a, a little bit less poignancy, but I don't think you need to be looking for the lesson for that book to be an incredible, enjoyable read.
0: No, it's still, it's delightful and it holds up and it, I think the best thing that can be said for it, honestly, is that it does warp you back to high school. Yeah. And even if you look at it and are like, man, you know, I was already reading whatever the hell you were maybe reading by the time you were in late middle school, or early high school.
1: Douglas Preston and Lincoln Child Novels. Yeah.
0: But like you, you still feel it. You have that sense in your gut more of just like, man, I remember having a locker.
1: I remember feeling weird. What? Yeah, and I think the other real joy of the novel is it's told in this very simple, poetic, mm-hmm. you know, poetry of the people, sort of Billy Collins uh, nice way of of, of describing Arizona and the desert. And there's there's a lot of really beautiful things with mm-hmm. saguaros and, and living in Arizona in the red. So like I was saying earlier, I believe that Stargirl is like this blueprint of YA. But I wanted to test it, which is why, you know, I wanted to get you on board with not just reading Stargirl, but now reading the Prince Award winner 15 Mm -hmm. years later, Bone Gap by Laura Ruby. And, you know, the Prince Award is just a good barometer of like what's really sort of excellent in YA. Yeah. You know, they've. They've found some amazing people like John Green in 2003 for Looking for Alaska. And then there's, you know, Jandy Nelson, I'll Give You the Sun from last year, which is an incredible novel. Jellicoe Road by Molina Marchetta, which is an incredible book. Um, so this, it seemed like a safe bet that we would find something that was really great. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so let's talk about what Bone Gaps about before we go further
0: yeah it's set in a tiny town in illinois that actually exists yeah uh, it's a it's a tiny little town look it up on google maps it's kind of crazy
1: um yeah um, and it's it's a farming town of of corn
0: yep yeah. uh a a woman a young woman like 19 20 years old has sort of appeared in the town and sort of caused a bit of a stir she's right polish uh she's living with these two brothers who's Mother
1: has abandoned them even yep. though she's still alive, that she's just like, I can't deal with you guys after your father uh died.
0: Yeah. Uh and then this this young woman, Rosa, uh, disappears. She's kidnapped, and one of the brothers sees it. Mm. Uh Finn, who I guess is sort of the main character. I yeah, he's say. the main-ish character. Um he's got he, the longest story. Yeah. He witnesses the kidnapping but sort of can't give an accurate description. Right. Um,
1: and the book falls under these uh everything on Rose's side because you get a lot of different um voices. It's not just Finn's voice.
0: Yeah. But I actually loved how two other voices pop up yeah. later in the novel. It's not just like, like three or two. something. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Um Rosa's voice, all of it is this magical realism, fantastic. Side where she's been kidnapped by some sort of evil force. Yeah.
0: The opening of the first chapter that she narrates reminds me of the back half of Gone Girl. Oh. Actually.
1: Oh, that's interesting. To me, I was thinking uh, Nosferatu, uh the the oh, Joe, Joe Hill yeah. novel about Christmas town. Because the the kidnapper is taking her to these lands that he seems to create. Yeah. And uh, and it's they're trying to find her. It's so interesting because there's this like crazy fantastical thing, but she r- is really good at what's going on in Finn and his brother Sean's life. Is very grounded in reality, um, and they're really dealing with the true emotional fallout of having this person come into their lives, start to rely on her, and then they, she disappears.
0: Yeah, it's interesting as we start talking about um magic and realism because that is something that it has increasingly come into uh YA both magic magical realism just a sense of the fantastical right, the mainstream
1: YA it, and it and it w- was it's not just like i don't know it's not harry potter sort of fantasy where like right. that's you know what's going on in that world and the rules are very obvious
0: yeah this is it's much more it reminded me for a while actually of Uh, karen russell's swamplandia yeah and she makes a different choice there's a moment sort of as you're building a magical realism world and you can either you can turn into the magic or you can turn into the realism and karen russell turns into the realism in that book which i i hated that choice Mm -hmm. whereas this book turns into the magic which i loved
1: yeah but also when you look at something like neil gaiman's yeah, ocean at the end of the lane, which is also similarly pitched as YA, right? Um, that turns into the magic, and then never makes a right turn back. Yeah, and that's the kind of really beautiful thing about Bone Gap, is we go between those, right in between, from like a beautiful first love story mm-hmm. to the the horror a horror of what's going on on Rose's side. Yeah, but yeah, I definitely, I definitely had an interesting there's that rug pulled out from under you when you find out what's going on with Rosa.
0: Yeah. I think there's something to this book feels in many ways, like it is a book for, uh, that could be read by adults that happens to feature, um, teenage protagonists and have, it's, it's a little bit, a little bit simplified. Like it doesn't have the depth of character development that you'd expect from, you know,
1: a 900-page... Yeah, uh, yes, a 900-page novel, but those don't even... I don't know, like, it's... To me, this is one of those things that truly proves that YA is a... Mm-hmm. It's a marketing... It's like, I want to find the audience that would think this was the coolest. Yes. Um, And I think that what might have hobbled books in the past by getting the YA mark, I think it has become, like, an actual really strong... Um, sense of, of discovery that you can you can put anything there.
0: Yeah, I think the thing that feels different over the course of the last 15 years, I don't think there's any moment where you can really pinpoint it. Mm-mm. Although, over the last 20 years, you could say that probably the Harry Potter books really Yeah, you really can look helped. at Harry Potter,
1: and I think you can probably, to a lesser extent, Hunger Games.
0: Yeah, well, the thing about Hunger Games is that that felt like that sparked a... Um, an increasing darkening. Whereas like Harry Potter sparked, hey, YA books are for everybody. Like anybody can read this and get as much out of it as anybody else. And then Hunger Games feels like it sparked the like, the dark, gritty, let's not hide how terrifying the world is.
1: I think, you know, this is near and dear to my heart, this conversation, because my mom uh, works at a high school library. And she's constantly having to straddle this line of like, when do I recommend which books? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that that's really why this conversation happens is, is it's just like, how can I get the right book into someone's hands? Like that is going to be like either as challenging as they're going to need it to be, or as like good storytelling as, as some of these other things are, Yeah, you know, where, some things are just like action sequences. Like I feel like Maze Runner, which tried to capitalize. I think that there's this way that like the wrong, wrong lessons can be learned, but absolutely. Ultima- ultimately, it's just like what stories are you looking for? And I wouldn't want to say that Maze Runner isn't also like probably great in whatever way it is.
0: Yeah, but it's it's that thing where um, James Gunn, the director of among other things, Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm made a comment after the success of daredevil and he was like look people are going to take the wrong lessons uh not daredevil deadpool we're gonna they're gonna take the wrong lessons from these like the idea that you can write sort of uh, like weird goofy smart one-off and they're gonna try to recreate that instead of coming up with the next cool interesting one-off
1: yes I think it's kind of like the reaction that we get when we're like, oh, it's like Gone Girl. It's like, well, no, yeah. I found, I read the Gone Girl thing and right. now I want, I, I'm I, not necessarily always looking to read Gone Girl now and just like I'm not, people aren't always looking to read the Hunger Games, the next Hunger Games or the next Harry Potter. Right. People want to be transported to this new, completely wonderful, crazy thing. And I think that honestly, when I look at YA, I'm often finding like these are some of the most radically different Mm -hmm. stories out there um especially especially bone gap i mean i was so i was so drawn in and completely i read it in a day you know i had to
0: i mean it does it does the marvelous thing of taking um taking stories that you think you are familiar with either from mythology or from history or even just YA that you've previously read mm-hmm. or your life. And it does this wonderful thing of making it feel magic, like lowercase m, magical. Yeah.
1: And and there's also, I mean, part of it is is really just, one of the joys of it is this relation to animals Yeah, that Finn has and they all have. I mean, in, in Finn and Sean's house, there's like, i've lost count of how many animals there were yeah and there's like the uh charlie across the
0: street who has the who just like
1: has chickens living in his house and he's like they don't like the coops (laughs) um and there's a goat that just there's the goat literally (laughs) does nothing except for just appears to bite at his pants sometimes yeah i mean she has a weird sense of humor that i really like yeah Ultimately, I think if you haven't read Stargirl or Bone Gap, I think it's a really fascinating pairing of novels. Yeah, to kind of see because they are they are really sim- similar, even though they're, they seem really different on the outside. they yeah. really are both a very focused stranger comes to town and changes these lives of these people. Even like the town reacting to Rosa is mm-hmm. very similar to the, the high school culture reacting to Stargirl.
0: And I will say that the two books do a marvelous job at capturing,
1: admittedly in very different ways, but they do a marvelous job at capturing um, young love. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's really true. So, yeah, Bone Gap, Stargirl, good reads. Um,
0: yeah. And if you come up with a different comparison of, yeah.
1: of an early, y, uh, early,
0: I'm doing scare quotes, YA novel and a. Present day one.
1: Yeah, we'd love to hear them. Yeah. Or, or if you also have uh, things that compare to Stargirl, please get in touch. I love that.
0: Yes, Christopher Christopher will be eagerly awaiting your emails.
1: Yes. Um, speaking of cool things we received in email.
0: It's National Audiobook Month, and we got a little treat in our email recently.
1: Yes. Uh, the Sweet Bitter by Stephanie Danler Audiobook. Um read by her i guess she actually got a close friend of hers to read it yeah which is pretty cool which is really awesome and she really hung out and and i don't know was a fly on the wall for the recording of it um alex mckenna is the reader and it's so good we're gonna play um just a couple clips from it uh one thing from the very beginning of the book and one maybe like two pages on <laughs>
2: You will develop a palate. A palate is a spot on your tongue where you remember, where you assign words to the textures of taste. Eating becomes a discipline, language-obsessed. You will never simply eat food again. I don't know what it is, exactly, being a server. It's a job, certainly, but not exclusively. There's a transparency to it, an occupation stripped of the usual ambitions. One doesn't move up or down. One waits. Let's say I was born in late June of 2006 when I came over the George Washington Bridge at 7 a.m. with the sun circulating and dawning the sky full of sharp corners of light. Before the exhaust rose, before the heat gridlocked in, windows unrolled, radio turned up to some impossibly hopeful pop song. Open, open, open.
1: Cool, right? Yeah. Gosh, it sounds great. Her voice is great.
0: It makes me want to listen to the book now as a reread.
1: Mm-hmm, definitely. Uh,
0: well, do you want to recommend things? Sure. Um, speaking of love, Emma Straub's new book, Modern Lovers, oh. uh, which has a teenage love story inside of it, that also manages to capture the feeling of being like a junior, senior in high school and falling in love while also like with one eye to what's coming down the line for you. But it also at the same time is talking about grown up love mm-hmm. and the various complications that ensue when you're approaching fifty as
1: opposed to approaching twenty. Sure. Um, and it's about moving out of Ditmas Park, right? Or into Uh no, it's a community within Ditmas Park. Okay. Um I, I Or I the do community kind of, of Ditmas Park. I love reading about I mean, there's nothing in New Yorker likes to read more about them themselves.
0: <laughs> the best thing about this is that it is like a, a lovely suburban novel, but set in the city, which yeah. is, I guess that's Ditmas Park. That for is you. Ditmas
1: Park. Um, that's cool.
0: Um, it's really lovely. It's, it's her best book yet. It like it sort of moves her into another echelon of writer. It's really, really
1: lovely. That's cool. Uh, how about you? I am going to recommend, uh, I'm going back to my old well, Patricia Highsmith yeah Uh, I I read the tremor of forgery which is the first novel of hers that I've read um that didn't have Tom Ripley in it but what's really funny is it's about a writer um who is working on a novel of a character who has no moral compass (laughs) (laughs) nice so even though she's not writing about Tom Ripley she's writing about writing Tom Ripley which is funny Um, and it's about this guy who gets sent, um, he gets sent ahead of a filming in in Tunisia. Mm. Um, he gets uh, sent ahead of the film and he's going to write the film with the director and then they're going to shoot it. Uh, but then the, uh, director kills himself in New York. And so he's just stuck out and has all this money that he's sort of was going to spend on, uh. On you know the nice life with this director, yeah. But instead, he he decides I'm gonna stay here and try to finish my novel. Cool. Yeah. And but it's just like it's just dread the whole book. <laughs> you're just like something awful is gonna happen. Yeah. And you're just expecting it. And if there's like so, all these really strange gender politics as well in it. Um, I don't know. I I, I am a, in love with Patricia Highsmith all over again, and nice. I am gonna start you know jumping more and more into her books. It's summer. I think she's like my summer girl.
0: Yeah, that's a good idea. I like that. <laughs> she's
1: such a such a horrible person. <laughs> I'm just like, "Ah, yes. <laughs> Patricia, you and me." Yeah. So that's it.
0: Yep, that's it for us.
1: A blessing a curse, a podcast. I want to hear your take on it.
0: I feel like I like feel like your, there what's are your NPR of opportunities. Voice.
1: No, yeah, I wanna hear it. this well, is one of them. I
0: I know I wanna do trailer guy. Can I do trailer guy?
1: Oh yeah, you can do trailer guy. A blessing. A curse. A
0: podcast. That's not so much trailer guy, no, that's like not. NPR guy doing trailer guy. <laughs>